luck plays an important role in being successful, but only if you believe that hard work is the only thing that matters. It's kind of this interesting paradox, but I think it ties everything together in that success requires you to work really hard. It yeah. requires you to believe that you have control over your outcome. Success. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's why the cause and effect is so important. It requires you to take advantage of feedback loops that, that build on each other over time. It requires you to learn from your mistakes and from the marketplace. And then all of that together, when you put in that hard work, when you've learned and when you've, you've iterated on what you've done and you've worked towards a goal in a consistent way for a long period of time, then you have the opportunity to get lucky and be in the top percentile. Welcome to the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. My name is Chris Thompson, your host of the show and the head coach of the Student Works Management Program. This is a show dedicated to young and ambitious entrepreneurs and ultimately the leaders of tomorrow. Each week, we will bring you an inspiring interview or message to help you create the future you know you deserve. Let's get started. Hey, leaders. I've got another reoccurring podcast with Patrick Lalonde, uh, our vice president, uh, or one of our vice presidents. And Patrick and I had an incredible conversation about the nature of being successful in the world. And we talk about the mindset concepts that we use regularly at Student Works, the iterative feedback process, cause and effect, and the flywheel effect, and how those different concepts work together to really powerfully pull people to lives that they're really proud of and that they have a really fantastic impact in the world. And then lives that maybe aren't working so well and that why did it go this way? And so I think you're going to love this conversation. You know, we have these conversations to just share about our program and, and look to have people come and join our program. So thanks so much for joining us. And I know you'll love this pod. Thanks. So Patrick, Welcome back to the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. I always really enjoy these. Just uh, we're, we're going to be talking about key mindset concepts. And, and that's something that, Pat, we've always been a company about mindset. You really have taken the company to the next level and really been able to explain them better, crystallize them better, coach them better. And so this conversation is going to be about, um, oh, sorry, just to shout out everyone, you can go back and listen to our episode 207 taking responsibility, which we just both taking 100% responsibility in your life. That is a really great podcast. It's just, uh, you know, it's really the start of all mindsets. You know, hey, got to take 100% responsibility. But here is really looking at success in the world. How can we be successful in the world and, and, and focusing on that? So we're going to be dealing with three of the, of the concepts that we coach or you coach in our training site. So why don't we get started? Yeah, well, first of all, Chris, thanks for the great intro. It's always I always love doing these these trainings or, or these podcasts for our operators. I almost yes. kind of look at it as like trying to trying to generate as much value for people as possible. And I think getting an understanding for the depth of you know everything that there is around mindset to try to help you know all the leaders out there do yeah. really well. And just to put it in there for we get a lot of alumni. Uh, and then, and then also a lot of people listening to our podcast who are not part of the program. So basically, before every training session that we have, every day long training session or evening training session, Patrick basically takes an hour talking about some type of mindset concept. 
So, you know, for some people, this may be a review. I always find anytime I'm reviewing something, I'm getting it at a deeper level. I'm understanding it better. So so for somebody who, oh, I've got it. Well, do you really? <laughs> that, that would be something to consider. So so that and that's why you've tuned in to come and understand mindset better. So we'll start with the interactive feedback process. Yeah, I think, you know, when we were reviewing the notes for this episode, Chris, I, I kind of recognized like the, that I think today's episode for people who are kind of wondering is is really going to be all about the nature of being successful in this world. And so we've kind of gathered together, Chris and I, all of the best mindset concepts that kind of drive somebody's results in the world. Like what's going to mean that someone's really successful versus that they get stuck in their projects and that they don't get the results that they want. And the first concept that Chris and I had identified, as Chris pointed out, was the iterative feedback process. So the idea that we can iterate on something over and over again in order to get a good result. And it's based in this idea, I think, that most people have, which is that like that the, the way most people see the world is that they're going to attempt to do something. And then that attempt is going to be a success or a failure. And for a lot of people, that is uh, like a terrifying prospect because they are afraid that, hey, I might take this on, I might try to do this thing, and then I might fail. Yes. Which is pretty reasonable that, that, you know, if you're trying to do something new, especially if you're trying to do something difficult, it's a pretty good chance that that you're going to fail along the way. And that scares, you know, the bejesus, I think, out of a lot of people. You know, that, that, that idea that they might fail, but the idea of an iterative feedback process is that the individual moment of failure is not actually a failure in and of, in and of itself. It's rather the universe or the marketplace, or, you know, it's basically feedback for you that is being provided to tell you, Hey, that was not the way to get that result. Yes. Right. Or, or, you know, you, you're you're getting feedback that maybe you got to do it differently. Maybe it's you know your maybe your offer is too expensive, or maybe it's not landing on people's ears properly. I'm obviously talking in the context of like a marketplace offer. Yeah, uh, is basically, and but it applies to anything you do. Like this would apply to relationships. Like yeah. if you're in a relationship, you probably have certain things that you do in certain ways, and sometimes it's going to work, and sometimes it's not going to work, and you're going to get feedback as to like. How am I doing it? Is it going well? You know, and, and each attempt is an opportunity not to feel good or feel badly about yourself, like, oh, I was a success or I was a failure, but rather to learn what works and what doesn't work in the world. Yeah. And I always love to use sports analogies because I think a lot of people can really recognize it. But so often people will plateau in sports or because maybe they, they, they did something at a certain point and they're just that good. Well, part of any athletic endeavor is the willingness to get worse. So I'm going to go in and get coached and, you know, be at tennis or I got a, a golf lesson a little while ago and 45 minutes of the golf lesson, I could not hit a golf ball and I'm pretty good golf <laughs> golfer, but I just could not. But Nick, my coach was coaching me on, on a new way. And it was really hard. And again, I, I worked and I didn't experience a lot of frustration because I had done that many, many times before in my life, seeing this quote unquote failure, lack of success. No, to get better, I need to step back because the way I was doing it would only get me so far. 
I'm the one here at the coaching lesson to get better because yeah. I can decide I just good at I'm, I'm okay at just being a pretty good golfer. No, Chris wants to get better in all areas of his life. So he goes and gets golfing lessons. And that means I will get worse before I get better. You know, and that's what that's what taking on success is, I think. I it's funny that you brought in that specific example because I always like to use the example of Tiger Woods. And yeah. anybody who knows me well knows that I'm not definitely I'm a not sports big. guy. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And but but I oh, I remember hearing a story years ago and it just stuck with me that yeah. Tiger needed to improve his golf swing. But in order to do so, yeah. he had to completely unlearn what he already knew. Yes. And the and so in the process of doing that, he went from being one of the best in the world to kind of falling behind a little bit. Yes, he did. And but what he had recognized, or at least what he thought he had recognized, what he was trying was he was recognizing that maybe the way he was doing it, his current swing could only get him into the top five, but it couldn't yeah. get him to be the best. Yeah. So if he wanted to be the best, he yeah. had to change the fundamentals of his swing. And to do that, he actually had to take a step back. He had to get worse. He had yeah. to go back to the drawing board and kind of go through that. And, but that process of, you know, kind of stepping down, rebuilding, and then building it better, it gives you the opportunity to become the best. Yes. Right. Whereas if he sticks to his old way of doing it, he's well, never going to get better from there. And in fact, he had won a master's. He was recognized as the best in the world, but for him to even dominate further, and there was a concern about his back, would it, would it be able to do it? So, and what's way, by the way, much more challenging about what Tiger took on than me for 45 minutes was he was doing it publicly. Right. So publicly, he was getting worse and he knew he would and he accepted it to later on, you know, perform so much better. So that's something, again, you know, we can point at other areas. And so are you willing to, again, take on this iterative feedback process? Failure is not failure. Failure is just a part of success. You know, and, and all successful people will tell you about all sorts of, quote unquote, otherwise people look at failure like this. But I didn't consider it a failure. Do you do you know why do you think, Chris? And I'm I'm sure you're gonna have a great answer to this, which sure. is why I want to ask the question. Why sure. do you think that the this feedback process is critical to the nature of success? Like why is it such an important piece to being successful? Yeah. So ultimately to really be successful, we have to take on failure. One of the things about this program, I say it often, is is that we have taught we have, we recruit really great people they come into our program they really haven't had a lot of success lack of success is i got 70 at a test or i didn't win the meet or i failed to to participate at nationals or you know or gee it took me another try before i got this elite uh music award you know or whatever it is like so here it's like wow they said no again they said no again they said no again and they're really getting real feedback, but they're seeing that as that's more data, more data, more data for me really get better and better. So in getting that, again, it just, just I've read so many biographies, I hear successful people and they keep going, this is how to get better. Yeah, I've always thought it has to, it has everything to do with the fact that once you understand that, you understand the importance of taking action. Right. And I think that's what that's the key for me is a lot of people, because they're seeing they they have that fear of failure because they, they don't understand that the failure is actually 
baked into the process. They don't kind of see that it's necessary to have that failure. So they look at the failure and they go, oh, I want to avoid that. And they don't recognize that that fear of failure is what actually stops them from taking the action that's necessary to be successful. And that's the paradox that that understanding this process, I think, allows people to, to get into. Yeah. And so in all of the things that we do at trainings, any event we run, any estimate we do, we go and say, okay, how'd we do? How do you think you did, Pat? Oh, what do I think I did? And so through that, it's like, what went well? What went poorly? What could have been better? You know, how'd I do according to the system? So we're always using that in terms of, again, creating an iterative better and better and better. So we just have it baked right in to our program. We're always looking at it. And so, so I think, and again, I think that's what, that's what, again, successful, successful teams would do, sporting teams, et cetera. That's, that's a best practice of, of people who are really crushing it in the world. Not, and, and it's like taking the morality out of your performance. You know, I did, didn't do, you know, it just, I just did my best because again, if I bring it every day, the result is the result. And then I can try to get better, but you know, Pat wasn't bad that day. Chris wasn't bad that day. No, Chris worked really hard to achieve the best he could. And then let's go look at it. But it didn't work or it didn't get the yes. result I wanted. And I've got feedback of, of what I need to do next time. Different, Like, you know, I got feedback. I need to train more. I need to practice yeah. this section of the script. I need to yeah. work on this objection, how I handle this particular objection. I need more volume of estimates so that yeah. I can hit my yeah. goals, things like that. Well, or sometimes I did get a result, but I but your coach can see, oh, here, let's look. How do we do? Oh, wow, I, I shouldn't have got that result. Or, you know, so I just, oh. yeah. Or not, I shouldn't have got it. But but for me to perform at a really successful level, year in, year out, month in, month out, I won't if I keep doing it that way. So It's yeah. looking at it on the aggregate, right? Yeah, that's yeah. what I was going to say. It's like sometimes you'll get a result just because results don't come in a perfect linear, like, oh, yes. you did all the right things, you get the results. Exactly. Sometimes you got to look at it over 30 iterations, right? It's like, oh, yes. I did this 25 times. Now I know I can repeat this experiment and know that this works better with this, you know, if I if I introduce this new part to my estimate or I add this to my script or I, I you know, change my, I swing my golf club this way instead of that way. Yeah. It's like those those things can be measured. It, it kind of comes back to... Um, there's a quote by or it was kind of like a story or like an urban legend probably it's it's probably like totally not exactly what it what it actually happened but it, right. you know telephone games kind of played around but thomas edison had this this reporter who asked him you know aren't you frustrated he was trying to invent the light bulb and it took yeah. them like thousands of tries to do it yes. and they had found all these things that didn't work and they'd been failing and they'd had thousands of failed attempts and they said when you were trying to invent this light bulb how frustrating was it for you, you know, finding like failing a thousand times? And he goes, no, no, I didn't fail a thousand times. I found a thousand ways not to make a light bulb. Yeah. So great. Yeah. It's like, that's, I think it encompasses the thinking of that iterative feedback process. When you're a scientist, when you think like that, you're going, yeah. no, I just was crossing out different scenarios. It's like, oh, this doesn't work. Yeah. This doesn't work. Okay. And then right. I'm learning along the way. Yeah. And, and in our business, I know there's been many times where we would say internally, we found more times where we don't know how to do this, right? Like like I remember our money letter program. For years, 
we did not know how to do that successfully. And then, oh, okay, finally we have a model. This works great. And this this we can just run with it. And these markets, it'll perform really well. So yeah. so it's it's really it really is fascinating. Instead of, you know, I don't know, we go to blame, we go to, oh, I'm so dumb, or other people are smarter than me, all those sorts of things that just don't work and are not are not fair. It's just I, I just don't know how to do that yet. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I've always liked to say that, like, it kind of ties in with this, but I think the the biggest cause of pain for people in the world comes from their denial of the feedback that they're getting. Right. And I think it ties in very directly to this idea of feedback, because a lot of times there are people who will get feedback from the market or they'll get feedback from their friends or the people that they're in relationships with that something they're doing isn't working. Yeah but they're not listening to the feedback or they're yes. not listening correctly. Yeah. Right. It's really easy to do that. Right. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. like you typically, if you're, if you're seeing that something's not working and you justify it and an example that comes to me to mind right away, thinking about this is an operator first week out, they go to try to sell their first job and they don't follow the process. Right. And then they don't follow the process. And then they don't book their first jobs and they go, well, it's not my fault. It's because people in my area are cheap. Yes. Yes. I'm in the wrong neighborhood. Yes. Yeah. I, I went to the wrong neighborhood. These people are cheap. That guy was an asshole. Yeah. Right. It's like, it's so easy to just blame people or blame situations. And that's probably the best way to kind of not learn and to keep having the same problem over and over again. It ties into our last podcast around taking responsibility, but I think yes. it's, it's different in a sense because you're just you're not blaming the other party or you're not blaming the universe, but it you're kind of looking inward. Okay, well, what did I do? Yeah. How did what I do lead to this? Could I do it differently next time? Yeah. What could I do to impact this? How could yeah. I limit this from happening again? Right. You start asking those questions and all of a sudden the world is telling you what you need to do. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. all of this script or maybe it's, yeah. you know, change it in, depending yeah. on the circumstance. Right. It's, there, there's some saying that the universe will keep putting that in front of you until you figure that out. Like there's some type of saying where it's like, you know, you're continuing to struggle with this, you know, relationship difficulty with this health difficulty, you know, again, I keep eating the wrong foods and feeling really poorly and gaining weight and not having the life that I want. Well, I can deny that, or I can go and make the health changes that are going to support my body and support my health, you know, so, my so metabolism. yes, my metabolism. So it's, so it's like, okay, I can, I can, you know, you know, again, so, you know, the denial is what's preventing me. And then I'm just going to continue to have all sorts of pain associated with that. And the pain is yeah. going to continue because I'm just denying it. So for sure. Yeah, I think that's like, there's there's obviously, you know, a, a big culture, like one of the cultural shifts right now is is this idea of like, of like fat shaming. It's kind of yes. something yes. that people are really afraid to do. And and to be fair, and, you know- And understandable. Yeah, I understand. Yes. We don't want to make people feel badly for for no reason. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, you know, there's like, you can have somebody who's kind of going, well, it's not my fault that I'm really big. It's because I have these issues and it's because, uh, you know, it's because I have these, these emotional issues and it's also because of my metabolism being really slow, but the, the feedback that you're getting is still like, you're getting really unhealthy. You maybe are, aren't going to appear as attractive. you you maybe like, <laughs> 
are, are going to start to have problems like, like, you know, serious health problems are going to start popping up. And that's the universe giving you feedback that, yes, all of those things may or may not be true, but you still got to change what you're doing, right? It's yeah. still like, you know, the, the, you still got to change what you're inputting because the reality is, is you've been dealt these cards, you know, so you've got to go and deal with those cards. And, and, you know, it's the way I see it is kind of like if somebody's got Crohn's disease and they can't eat certain things, it's like, yeah, that's not fair. Nobody said it was fair, but that, that person isn't going to keep eating the things that make them really sick. So if somebody's, you know, well, they, they, they could, they could, and then they get that negative feedback. And so some people actually do, um, you know, and, and, <laughs> yeah, and true. so, you know, again, just, just so we're clear again, it's, it's, it's like the, you know, the, the, the weight issue linking, don't wait. I I, I don't want people linking weight to, to, to being fat. I, I want people linking, having a really healthy life. And so that's going to help my physical life, my emotional life, my, you know, again, monitor just my well-being that's what i link it to whatever weight you are that's that's what i link it to and again it is uh, you know a feedback loop for sure hey leaders i hope you are enjoying this podcast as we approach and surpass 300 episodes well over 95 percent of the leaders that we have interviewed have been alumni of the student works management program it has been an honor to participate in their development over the years. Starting now and only for the fall months, we will be on campus at universities and colleges in Ontario, Quebec, and the East Coast, interviewing students who think they have what it takes to start their first business and get started down the path of entrepreneurship. If you are interested in being a leader in our program, or know someone who does, please go to the show notes and hit student works and get sent to a landing page to apply. There is a bold student works that you can hit to go to a landing page to apply. Thanks so much. Back to the show. In order for the iterative feedback process to be true, it is dependent on the idea that your actions matter in the world, that when yes. you take an action, you're going to get a, a, a result from that action that is going to be directly or indirectly caused by what you put out in the world. Yes. So I, so I, I, I wonder what you think about this, Chris, because sure. I think I have taken on and I don't think that it's intrinsically true. I think people could make the argument that cause and effect aren't really linked in the sense that, you know, sometimes you're going to do stuff and you're not going to get the result or, you know, you're going to take actions and not get the result. Or sometimes you're going to, you're going to take action and you're going to get worse results than what you intended because of, you know, variance and because of like randomness in the world and, and a certain degree of chaos. I think some people can make the argument that cause and effect is not real, right? right? There's a bunch of luck involved or this and that. I kind of like to take on that. I believe cause and effect to be true, not because I think it's intrinsically a hundred percent like, oh, you can make the argument. It's, it's yeah. perfect, but more because it's incredibly useful to believe that it's true. Yeah. It feeds back into the taking a hundred percent responsibility for my life. So if I, I take a hundred percent responsibility for my life, all the actions that I'm taking will be my relationship and my, my result. And we a hundred percent are saying that that's 
not necessarily 100% true. Might as well take it on that it is and then just look at you know what we what we've had it and 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 for me the the first time i heard of or the first time it sort of maybe popped up for me with a first order second order and third order consequences was principles and ray dalio wrote this incredible book and it just like wow this is so fantastic so it's like you know there's a first order consequences of me wanting to have a suite because i definitely i definitely love sweets and so first order consequences, I get rewarded because that was really great. The second order consequence is that that may knock me off me feeling is, is good because I do identify that later that next night or whatever, I'm not feeling as well. If I eat, I spike my energy spikes. If, if I eat long term poorly, uh, which I don't, but if I did, then that would, you know, gain more weight. That could actually impact maybe my ability to to walk and my knees would have problems because I'm carrying lots of weight, you know, or would create- Just Lower uh, energy levels. Yeah, lower energy levels. It could create, um, you know, other health issues, uh, you know, uh, uh, cardiovascular issues, et cetera, that long-term. So that's kind of a first order, a second order, and then a third, third order consequence rather than, sorry, go on, Pat. Well, I was going to say how I break those down, by the way, because I, I always be thought, clear. Yeah, like the first. So so when you how I like to think about first, second, third order consequences is first order is direct and immediate. Right. So it's very easy to see because it ha it's like the immediate response. When I eat this, when you eat the sweet, sweet I love it. I feel good. Your, yes. Your yeah. taste buds explode. Yeah. You get a spike of dopamine. Yeah. You get a spike yeah. in your in your blood sugar level. You get an immediate boost of energy. It's like those things are all right there. So that that reward is is instant. So it's direct because you you get it directly from eating the sweet and it's immediate or yes. you know within a few minutes. Then the second order is that it's direct but delayed in time. So you, what you, the example you gave was perfect for that, which is, you know, an hour later, well, you get this drop in your blood sugar, you yeah. feel like crap, you yeah. kind of like, you know, maybe your mood's affected, so on and so forth, right? So that's the direct consequence, because you can actually track that it is 100% because you ate that one sweet that, yeah. that well, it's probably it. not one. It's probably or, like yeah. maybe the cake. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. Got it. Yes. Yeah, right. but you you but yes. you can even track it. Like scientifically, yes. you could go in and be like measure your blood the sugar blood levels. Yes, down yeah. and you you know so it's a yeah. very clear clear cut one. The first and second. The third one is the most powerful, but it's also the hardest to measure because it's indirect and separated by time. So when you were talking about health issues. It's like, well, that one piece of cake you ate that one night isn't the reason for your diabetes or it's yes. not the reason for, you know, whatever your your circulation issues or your low energy on its own. Yeah. But combined with a bunch of other actions over time, right, they're all all those actions together are responsible for the third order consequence. So it's kind of like these these little actions that we take. I, I like to put it as like the individual actions that we take that either bring us closer to or further away from what we actually want. And the third order consequences are also, in my opinion, the most powerful because, yeah. well, you know, like a sweet, eating a sweet and getting that immediate burst, that's like a pretty, those are all very short-term things that don't have a big impact on your quality of life. Yeah. But all of a sudden, you know, if you're struggling with diabetes or if you're struggling with other, you know, more serious issues as a result of that, you know, I know some people get get liver issues or some people get, 
you know, really serious issues with their energy level and they feel yeah. crappy all the time. It's like that really affects your quality of life. And it's really hard to say, oh, was it that piece of cake that caused yeah, it? Or for that, sure. that chocolate? But it's the most important one at the same time. So yeah. that's why I loved it because it, it ties together all the concepts of cause and effect where, you know, there is still that element of variance of randomness of chaos, yeah. but it still very much shows that the individual has a choice in affecting it. And all the choices the individual makes either, you know, bring them closer to what they want or further away. For sure. And, you know, the other, the other piece is, you know, one of the things that I, when, whenever we talk about this as well, it's kind of choose your hard, you know, like the, the, this, this concept of, of, mm. of choosing the hard that I want. So it's like, you know, for me, I'm going to choose the heart of discipline, the heart of the work, you know, sort of going to the gym, you know, and that long-term that's going to have an impact where if I'm choosing the hard of sitting on the couch with, with case of beer, you know, with the joint and having that be my pattern, that's going to create a different type of life than choosing my heart of, I'm going to go read more books. I'm going to listen to great podcasts so I can learn more things. I'm going to go, you know, aspire to be like other people and work hard. That's going to lead in a different direction. Yeah, I think that's dead on. It's it's literally choosing your heart is it's kind of like if you're going to be the guy who's who's smoking a, a smoking a joint or drink, yeah. drinking a lot of beer, then the issues that you deal with, you'll deal with some issues. It's just, you know, you're kind of choosing yeah. poison. Do you want the hard work and the results that come with that? Or do you want the easy work and the results that come with that? Either yes. way, you're going to deal with some form of results, but now you got to pick which ones are the ones you want. You know, you can kind of choose what you want to avoid. That yes. Way. Yeah. Way and it's, yeah. And it's always, again, the, the consistent pattern, nothing wrong with having beer and, you know, whatever, all those things, all great. But it's like, how often am I choosing it? What am I consistently choosing? What, what, what are the patterns of my life over time to create this, again, exponential effect? Yeah. And well, and because that's what it is, right, is that the short term things, the the one action isn't usually very impactful. It's like the yes. the beer, the yeah. one beer. On or you own. go to the gym or you go to the gym one time, whatever, you know, so it's like it's right. not that's about not that. a very impactful decision. Like that yes. one workout won't get you feeling healthier. It won't help you uh, live longer or any of yeah. those things. But then you kind of go, well, what if that person does that over and over again? Yeah. And that's where I think there's a kind of two things that tie together these consequences. And the first one is the exponential nature of time on the effects that you feel. Yes. Right. So if I'm making the same decision over and over again, like it, like working out three times, four times a week yeah. consistently. Eating a good time. diet, reading good books, you, you know, listening to listening to podcasts, aspiring to be like like minded people, you know, hanging out with a really good group of creating a great environment in your home. What does that become exponentially? That's well, really in the short term, it doesn't change very much. Yes. Yeah. Right. That's what I would argue. I would argue in the short term, it's like you might see, oh, I maybe lose a little bit of weight or in the short term, I might make a little bit more money the first year and yeah. get a promotion. But in the long run, when the third order consequences start to kick in. And all of a sudden, you know, you don't have diabetes versus and you feel healthy yeah. or like that's where the the consequences of that work that you were doing or not doing. Yes. Uh, that's where you really, really see it because it's built up over time. And I think it's uh, in Atomic Habits. Uh, James Clear talks about this, the idea that 
if you do something 1% better every day, yeah. you, it like accumulates to this massive change over time. Yeah. But if you just do something once, it doesn't, you know, do very much. So he kind of talks about it from the perspective of habits. But I think it kind of, it, it really is important when you're looking at cause and effect to look at it over a long time frame. Because yeah. in the short term, it's hard to yeah. measure. And, and, it's, and it is one of the reasons why being really successful is such a challenge. Because I need, like, there really are very few people who, you know, are overnight successes. You know, like just it's well, they, yeah, but here that way, right? They yes. always appear to be overnight successes yes. yeah. to the to the person outsider looking. It's like all of a sudden someone someone is is becoming really a successful artist or their business you know explodes. But then you go back and you look and you see what 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 commitments did they do? How much time did they put in? You know, etc. To to have that type of success, so. So it really takes a commitment of focus and energy to say, I am willing to do these things and I recognize that I'm going to delay my gratification to do this. So hey, I, I was looking this up while you were chatting because I, yeah. I remembered this, that you were talking about the overnight success thing. And this yes. is a perfect example of the exponential nature of results. But I think it was in 2021, Jeff Bezos had this year and I forget what the number was, but because of the explosion in the, the stock success of Amazon in a single year, I think Jeff Bezos made something like $160 billion right. in, in explosion in of his yeah. network. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and people, obviously most people go, Oh my God, that's so incredible. And, and, and it seems like, like most people that would ask the questions would go, well, Okay, how did he get there? Oh, well, in the last two years or in the last year, Amazon's made these decisions. But that's that that has nothing to do with why Bezos was able to make 100 that 160 billion started in something like 1998 or 1997 when he started the company. Yeah. And you can actually go back because he's got his letters to shareholders that have been published for 20 years and you can see how for the last 20 years Jeff Bezos was making decisions focused towards the long term, focused yeah. towards a vision, and then consistently building towards that vision. And so what you see is $100 billion being earned in 2021. Yeah. But the reality is, is that that money was actually earned in like 2004. And yeah. you're just seeing the impact of 2004 showing up in 2021. Yeah. 15 and years later. And, and um, you know, I've read a, a, a bunch about Jeff. He would have had an incredibly successful finance career. He was working with one of the big banks, as I understood. And he saw this opportunity and he said, I'm going to give up this assured multi-million dollar career to go and do this and start. And like he, he started in a just a little office, like it was a strip mall and and started Amazon. And again, with the vision of becoming what Amazon is today. But uh, but yeah, it's just, again, delayed gratification. Uh, and I think I want to highlight something because I think there is, for a lot of the smart listeners that we have and the, the leaders that, that kind of do a lot of this introspection and research, they would know that one of the things that we're looking at is there is some confirmation bias in looking at somebody like Jeff. And yes, look exactly. So I do like to combine, I always like to say there is one other really important thing about getting exponential results requires consistent input, 
but it's not consistent input in all sorts of different directions. And I think Jim Collins uh, had had coined this term in his book, Good to Great, yeah. where he tracked companies that went from being just average companies to becoming great companies and performing at a high level. And he called it following a hedgehog concept. Yes. Which in his book, he kind of highlighted what he thought companies needed, three sort of elements that needed to be part of a strategy. But essentially, if we're just going to boil it down and make it try to like make it simple for our listeners, it's this concept that they had a very clearly defined strategy that they were working towards. Yeah. And Amazon had that. And then was not only did they have the strategy, but they consistently took steps towards achieving that goal. And they consistently ignored everything else and said no to all the other distractions that would have popped up along the way. They said no to anything that didn't fit that core strategy. And they just focused on it and the consistent input that goes with that. So I think that was a big takeaway for me is that, yes, you know, obviously there's a cons- there's a what's the word I'm forgetting? Here? A confirmation bias. Confirmation bias. Because it just so everyone knows. Successful. Yeah. Yeah. That's why he's successful. That let's, we just go look back at that. So we have to be aware of that. Thanks yeah, for noting that. Yes. Cause you don't necessarily see in there, all the people that had a long-term vision that worked yeah. towards it and, and didn't, didn't, didn't achieve it. Yes. And, and that's why I like to highlight what Jim had found in his research, which was that most people who didn't succeed succeeded because they didn't stick to the plan. Yes. And it, it does, you know, tend to make logical sense to me that if you're going to work towards different objectives that don't necessarily support each other, you're not really going to fully benefit from the exponential nature of your results. Whereas if you're constantly working towards one direction, it's it's a lot easier to benefit from the exponential nature of what you're creating because you're really targeted in on one thing. Of yeah. course, that means you have to have targeted the right thing. There's other factors at play, you know, of like course. like how big yeah. your market's going to be and how did you choose a good opportunity to put your yeah. energy towards? That's going to impact the size of results that you're going to have. But the that the, but it's not going to change the exponential nature of the results, yeah. right? So yeah, no, Pat, Pat, you're so right. And certainly I look back in my career and I see so so many of my uh, opportunities for improvement and, and why we have grown so much is we've gotten so much more focused and state focused on the core things and the feedback loops that really are driving the success of our business. And interestingly, Jim Collins did do a bunch of work with, with Amazon early on because I remember reading about that. And I remember him talking about the flywheel effect and, and these feedback loops. So, Pat, I know you will describe it way better than me. So why don't you describe the, the flywheel effect? I think the flywheel effect, it ties very nicely into the compounding nature of results over time. Yeah. Um, but really what the flywheel effect is, is it's essentially a way of describing how actions build momentum on one another over time. Right. So when we were talking about, you know, eating sweets every day, eating sweets once, not a big deal. But if you do it over and over and over again, well, what ends up happening, if we want to think about this as a negative feedback loop, I'll give an example of a positive one afterwards. But with the sweets example, if I eat a like a bunch of chocolate every day, um, you know, let's say we pick a number that's too much chocolate. Way too much. Everyone would agree. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I don't know what that number is. I'm not a a food scientist, but whatever that, that amount is. You have that chocolate every single day. Well, what happens is the first time you have it, it's a small little impact. Well, a month in, 
you're now your health is really impacted by all the chocolate that you've been eating or all the sweets you've been having. So now you're you're literally more susceptible to the damage that it's going to cause. So you're you're going to have a bigger spike, you're going to have a bigger crash, your body's going to be more damaged by it and now you are your body is running off of sugar. So now you're more likely to crave that sugar and want more of it. And then when you do get a crash, you'll eat more sweets. And then eating more sweets will cause a bigger crash, which will cause you to eat more sweets, right. which will cause you to have a bigger crash, which will cause you to eat more sweets. And then in the process of that, you're usually gaining weight and becoming unfit, which affects your energy levels, which makes you want to eat chocolate so you can have more energy, which causes you to have a bigger crash to eat. And then you get more unfit and more fat. So you're able to move around. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And then it yeah. builds on itself over time. And yes. that's the idea of the flywheel effect is that these small actions actually compound on each other because they reinforce each other. Right. Yeah. So the, the eating unhealthily causes you to be unfit. Then you don't work out, which causes you to not feel the impacts of being unfit as much, which causes you to eat out more and eat more poorly which causes you to be more unfit and do less exercise, which, and then it just kind of builds and builds and builds on the flip side of it. You know, I like to think, look at it from like the sales perspective. I know that my first year with, when I was an operator with student works was a massive feedback loop. Yeah, I got started really fast. I booked a couple big jobs and I was at the front of the leaderboards. And then I'm like, Oh my God, I don't want to lose my spot. So because I was getting all these results, I decided to work harder. Yeah. towards continuing to get results. Yeah. And then when I got more results and started taking the lead, I would work even harder because I'm going, wow, this is working so incredibly well. I've got thousands of dollars, tens of thousands of dollars in sales. I'm going to make all this profit. I'm going to work even harder. And then as a result of working harder, I'd get more results. And then as yeah. a result of getting more results, I'd work even harder. And it would just build on itself like that, where there was a feedback loop of, good results getting me to put more input in which was getting me more good results and so on and so forth yeah and it's so it's so important uh you know with again having a successful life seeing where are negative food feedback loops impacting me okay and that could be state of mind that could be you know again physical things i'm doing that could be my business isn't going as well oh i suck no 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 the actions i'm taking aren't working let's get coaching let's get get them moving up so it's it's we're we're becoming aware of the negative feedback loops looking to change them or and and aware of the positive loop, loop, feedback loops looking to to encourage them and so in two things about both of those the one thing is when i'm in a negative feedback loop usually i'm going to need introspection coaching and a big push to get yeah, that back going Massive action. Let's get it going. Let's get it going. Let's boom, turn it around. It's like, and frankly, if I can speak from my business over 42 years, if there's been times where we've had negative feedback loops pushing our business down. It's like the plane going down. It's like, yeah, like a couple that business of up has leave. been so then yes. people leave. Yeah. And... and it's just like, oh my gosh. And and then on the opposite side, you know, for a positive feedback loop, you know, of course, Chris is just going to say, yes, massive action. <laughs> but but no, but but certainly continued action is really, really important. One thing that people will do quite oftenly when they're having positive feedback loops is the, to be human is to be complacent. 
Look at this. I'm looking great. I feel super. I'm winning. Look at all the money in my bank account, you know, and all of a sudden that their performance drops off. And rather than, hey, no, what do I need to do to keep this this positive loop, uh, et cetera? And may, may not be action again, maybe some some coaching and, and iterative behavior. I'm burning myself out. Who do I need to help me so that I can keep this going? And I, I think ultimately with most feedback loops, it's just kind of being aware. I found that that being aware of the nature of feedback loops has helped incredibly because when I see them at play, I know where I need to nurture certain elements. And I also know what I need to watch out for. Like I gave that example earlier of, you know, when your best talent leaves you, right? Like one of the, one of the things that you always want to manage as a business, for example, is talent. Yeah. Yeah. Well, attrition turnover of that talent happening in a, like a regular way. So you don't want all of your sort of top people leaving at the same time. Yeah. Because that usually causes all of your really good people to kind of go, oh, I must be in the wrong spot and leave with them. Yes. But if you have good people that kind of cycle out over time, it, there's no feedback loop. You're you're able to kind of manage that. But if it goes kind of too far, where yeah. too many good people leave all at the same time, then you can actually have it become a feedback loop and have good people leaving because other good people are leaving and so on and so forth. So kind of managing that or, and it kind of shows up in probably 20,000 different ways. But that idea of just, being able to be aware of where feedback loops are going to show up and then either going and supporting them when yeah. they're about to pop up or stifling them when they they could be negative and hurt you. That really becomes an incredibly useful tool as an entrepreneur, as a leader, whatever in your, in your business, as a manager, massively useful, right? 100%. Yeah, no, no. And so, so again, it's being consciously aware of the negative feedback loop, consciously aware of the the positive feedback loop, again, personally and in business. Absolutely. I saw this really interesting thing, Chris. I, I thought it would really tie this all together. It was on the nature of success. And we, I think we've kind of touched on, on those, those key points of the foundational pieces from the, the iterative feedback process to the cause and effect nature of reality that, that allows the iterative feedback process to work. And then the flywheel effect that reinforces all of that. Yeah. And so I, I really enjoy this one YouTube channel called Veritasium. This guy, he just kind of looks into a whole bunch of different science stuff. And one video he did in particular caught my eye because it was on the nature of success. And he had done a scientific experiment, which I won't be able to describe properly. So I'm not going to try to in this podcast, but he had done a scientific experiment uh, using statistics right. to prove that essentially success requires you to believe that your hard work and what you do matters, but it also requires you to be incredibly lucky. So, sure. And that's why he called it the success paradox. And essentially, I'm going to kind of paraphrase what, what he had found, but he found that in order to be very successful, people had to, he had basically done a, a random sample of people who, of, of luck and uh, like of, of people's luck and of people's hard work. Right. And he combined them together and he said, well, who's going to be the most successful? And of course, and, and he had like a score for luck and a score for hard work okay. and he combined them together to, to measure the person's overall level of success. And so he's, he basically measured it and he said, well, if you wanted to be in the top percentile of that, of that group, you had to, you couldn't have like less than a 97 out of a hundred on hard work, 
but you also needed to have like a 97 out of 100 sure. on, on on luck. So yes. you actually needed both. Yes. And so what he found was that luck plays a, an important role in being successful, but only if you believe that hard work is the only thing that matters. Right. Because when you believe hard work is the only thing that matters, you just work at it and work at it and work at it. And you get that 97 out of 100 hard work score or higher, right? You're, yes. you're absolutely crushing it. And that is what's necessary in order to be able to get lucky and then be in the top percentile. So right. it's kind of this interesting paradox, but I think it ties everything together in that success requires you to work really hard. It yeah. requires you to believe that you have control over your outcome. Success. Okay. Yeah, yep. That's why the cause and effect is so important. It requires you to take advantage of feedback loops that, that build on each other over time. It requires you to learn from your mistakes and from the marketplace. And then all, all of that together, when you put in that hard work, when you've learned and when you've, you've iterated on what you've done and you've worked towards a goal in a consistent way for a long period of time, then you have the opportunity to get lucky and be in the top percentile. And yeah. of course, I think the longer you work at something, I think the one thing his study didn't really fully account for is the nature of time in all of this, because you can get lucky a lot of different times along the way, and you can get unlucky a lot of different times along the way. And in real life, we don't get one luck score. Yeah, It happens over and over and over again. And so I think consistency is important because you might not get lucky the first year. You might not get lucky the second year. You might not get lucky the fifth year, but the eighth year, maybe yeah. it's the second year, maybe yeah. it's 14th year. Yeah. But if you're working at something that's valuable, you you will have the opportunity to get lucky along the way. Well, one of the things I remember, um, one of my friends, um, he, he he buys a lot of paint. So they take us to, uh, to, to places around the world. And uh, I, I won't identify him, but he was saying very massively successful in one area of, of, of business in Canada. And he was saying, you know, Chris, one of the things I've noticed is people who stay in the same industry, it's like they end up rising to the top and being really successful. So that's kind of like that time. And again, hard work, success, time that makes a difference. But, you know, one of the things is having the humility to understand that 100%, like what good fortune, you know, for me, I'm like, what good fortune? Can you imagine, you know, a painter or a window cleaner being as successful as, as, as we've been in our career. It's unbelievable, uh, the results that we create. And a, a bunch of it is just good fortune. Obviously, growing up in Canada is a huge thing. Um, and then, you know, being able to have all sorts of amazing people come join us. But that's really, really important for sure. And having that humility, I think, uh, is, is, is critical. Well, the reality, I think... Um... I think it was Bill Gates who said this could have been someone else, but he said like, you, you'll always overestimate what you can do in a year, but underestimate what you can accomplish in a decade. That was Bill. That was uh well, sorry. The first time I heard it was uh, Anthony Robbins. So, oh, okay. uh, so yeah, well, but yeah. And he could have taken from somebody else. R and D. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I have no idea who actually said it. I just heard yeah. that saying. And and from what I have found in, in like, it, this is obviously just purely the, what I've experienced is that that is true. I am always over optimistic about what I'll be able to achieve by next year. I'm yes. like always overshooting what I'll be able to get done, but I can never quite grasp where I'm going to be 
in 10 years. And, and that kind of goes back to that whole exponential thing, because as a, as a human being, I tend to think in a linear way. By thinking in a linear way, I'm like, oh, to, I'm going to get from one to two in year one. But realistically, I usually just get from one to 1.5 or one to 1.75. And right. I don't quite get to two. I can never foresee that by year 10, I'm going to be at 20. Yes, yes, right? exactly. Because I, I only did 0.5 in the first year. So I, I, you know, you don't see it. And then all of a sudden it's like, whoa, this Look just blew up and got yeah. way more successful than I thought in a way that I couldn't have predicted. But it comes from, I think, that that drive towards the consistent effort, the consistent, you know, work so, so ethic towards it. Yeah, the feedback. feedback loop. Yeah, and one one thing that that um, our our leaders, you mentioned Bill Gates, you mentioned you know this this concept of hard work. Malcolm Gladwell wrote a great book. It's called Outliers, and he talks about all sorts of different industries. Bill Gates is one of them. The computer industry, the the creators of the computer industry, they're all born around a certain time, and that that actually was a huge part of their success. Their quote unquote luck. All of them worked really, really hard or they wouldn't have had that success. But And there are a bunch of other really great lessons about success. And really, that's what this podcast is, is the nature of being successful in this world. So so that's just another resource for you if you're interested, if you're fascinated by this conversation. Obviously, Patrick and I are. <laughs> Patrick and I are very fascinated about how to make young people have unbelievably successful careers. You know, And yes, we want to have people, you know, be in the top 1% and really massively successful. Uh, why? I don't know. It's just what we like, right? <laughs> we, you know, it, it's not necessarily, uh, you know, critical, but it's it's fun. You know, we, there's a it's scorecard. Fine. It's a scorecard. We want to chase up the scorecard as best we can. I, I finished my first year with Student Orcs and I had this idea, which I'm really glad I had in hindsight, but I had this idea that I wanted to change people's lives the way that Student Orcs had changed my life. Right. And so and and at the time I looked at that as like the way my coach had within student works had changed my life. So I went for sure that my coach changed my life. I want to do that for other people. And yeah. that's what I went into student works. I, I had this original plan. I'm like, I'm going to coach someone to be a better operator than I was. And yeah. I'm going to have them beat my record. Yeah. And that You've was done it original. many, many times. Yeah, now many, it's many now times. it's like five times <laughs> over. But that took. Yeah. That took, I think, 20 till 2015. Mm -hmm. So from from like I set the record in 2011 mm -hmm. at 210 yeah. uh, roughly in, in revenue. And it took until 2015 for me to find somebody and learn how to coach them and get them to beat my record and do 225. But then from 2015 and then basically from 2015 to 2018, that record got broken like four times every like year 60s and 300 yeah it was yeah. like back to back almost every year and then this year 2022 just got set at a million dollars yeah and if you look back again it took four years to get from 210 to 235 yeah and this last summer it went from 500 to a million yeah pretty incredible yeah <laughs> uh, well it's 500 to 600 matt shout out mac mercier so uh yes so uh Oh, right? sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Yes, you're right. Exactly. Well, I guess I, I was thinking 580. Yeah. When Mac did it, but it was yeah. but whatever, 600, yeah, 600 exactly. to a million. Yeah, exactly. So it just shows how much it can jump by. Like it jumped by twice what it yeah. took us four years to do. Exactly. It took us yeah. four years to go from 200 to, to 235. And it took yeah. us a summer 
to do twice that in a, like over yeah. it's off a, of yeah. the, like, yeah. and it's feedback yeah. loops, right? That's what it is. And I, you know, so, so Patrick, thanks for jumping on and making a difference. And again, you know, us continue to do what we want to do is the nature of being successful in this world. That's what this program's about. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Um, and uh, yeah, I know you've got a meeting and we, we, we've got a dead stop now. So you got to jump. Yeah. Well, enjoy your evening, Chris. And I hope everybody enjoys this episode. Cheers. Awesome. Talk to you soon. Cheers. Bye-bye. Hey, leaders. I hope you enjoyed this episode. By now, you are aware that we work with ambitious students every single year to not only help them run their first successful business, but to further their development as a leader and give them an unfair advantage in the future over their counterparts. It's why starting now and only for the next few weeks, we'll be on campuses across Ontario, Quebec, and the East Coast interviewing students who think they have what it takes to start their first business and get started down their path of entrepreneurship. If you think you have what it takes or know someone who might be interested, visit leaderspodcast.ca slash apply and start your application process today. Once again, it's leaderspodcast.ca slash apply. And I can't wait to see you on the other side.